arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak round you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. That's lovely. Thank you, Stephen, so much for doing that. So we're going to find out about the story of Rhoda in three parts this morning, and I'm hoping that the uh, younger ones amongst us are going to help me with this. Just a quick recap of the story. Um, Peter was in prison. He was very heavily guarded. It was like maximum security prison. He miraculously escaped because of an angel. He thought that it wasn't really happening, that he was having some kind of vision. As he walked through the streets, he eventually came to the place where the disciples were praying. He knocked on the door, and this dear girl, Rhoda, was there, a servant girl, one of the probably the youngest members of the household. And she was so excited to um, hear that Peter's voice was the other side of the door and knocking that she didn't bother to let him in. She ran back to the other disciples and said, Peter's here, Peter's here. They didn't believe her, but eventually they went out and they let him in. So that's just a quick recap of the story. And we're going to think about what Rhoda teaches us as an unsung hero. So around the room, children who are hopefully still in the room, there are some doors. There's a number one door, 
a number two door and a number three door. I'd love it if someone could go and open number one door, please. Esme's going to go. Brilliant. Thank you, Esme. And hopefully behind number one door is the first thing that we're going to learn from the story of Rhoda this morning. Yeah, if she could bring it to me, that would be brilliant. Thank you. Just pull it. Don't worry if it rips. That's it. Here she comes. Thank you very much. Okay, this first one says, the first message that Esme has found for us says, notice when God is at work. And it's got a little bit from verse 14. It says, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. So that's the first thing that we're going to think about this morning in this story of Rhoda. See if that will stick there. Maybe not. Sellotape's gone. Okay, so Rhoda heard this voice at the door. She heard the knocking. She heard the voice. She realized that God was at work, that Peter had been set free from prison just as the believers had come together to pray for him. She recognized that it was Peter at the door because she knew his voice. Have you ever been in that situation? You hear someone talking. You don't see them. Maybe they're in a different room, but you think, I know that voice. I recognize that voice. It's someone she already knew. She knew the other Christians who she was part of community with. I wonder how well do we know on one another here? I'm not going to do any kind of test this morning. It would have been fun to have a mystery voice. Um, sadly, I didn't have time to organize that. But how well do we know one another here this morning at Barnwell? Do we know one another well enough to recognize each other's voices in the dark on the other side of a door? I wonder, are we so well used to listening to one another and spending time with one another and building relationships with one another, loving one another well, so that we recognize one another's voices? Not just recognize the voices that we use, but recognize each other in different ways as well. I wonder if we recognize that when God is at work in one another's lives and we share that joy together. I wonder if you could just close your eyes for a moment. And in your mind, just have a look around at your life. Just have a little think about your day-to-day. And have a little look around at the lives of others in this church, those that you regularly associate with. I wonder, where can you see God at work? Where can you notice that God is at work? Okay, open your eyes again. I wonder who you can see in your mind's eye who's close to the kingdom or who's close to uh, God in some way, who God is working in and through, why not notice it? Why not make a point of saying something to that person about it? Share their joy. Encourage them. Tell them, I've noticed that God's doing this. Someone did that for me yesterday. Someone who came from Bluntisham for the uh, safeguarding training said something about my preaching, and it really encouraged me to hear that. It's a very encouraging thing when people say things about what they've noticed about God's being at work. You could encourage them by telling them, but you could also pray for God to multiply whatever it is that he's doing. Maybe open up yourself up to the idea that God can and does answer prayer. Those disciples were praying in that room, in that house, not necessarily expecting to actually see Peter 
They'd prayed and prayed and prayed that he'd be set free. And then when he actually arrived, they said to Rhoda, you're mad. Don't be bonkers. I reckon there's one translation. Are you crazy? Sometimes maybe we should be a bit more expectant when we pray. I think maybe one of the important things that we need to remember about prayer is that it should change us as much as it changes the situation. When we spend that time with God in prayer, it doesn't just change the situation that we're praying about, it changes us as well. And that's why I refer to all of those opportunities that we have to pray with one another. And I know some of us don't feel comfortable with speaking out loud, and that's absolutely fine, but that doesn't mean that you can't join in and pray. Don't outsource your prayer, is my encouragement to you. Don't leave it to others, because everyone can join in together and celebrate and acknowledge when God is at work. So that was our first point. Rhoda, open up. Notice when God is at work. And that's a message to us as well, to open up, to recognize when God is at work. And so we're going to... So... Rhoda, open up. We've come to door number two. So who's going to do no door number two for me? It's over on the radiator over there. Lydia, you look like you could go and open that door for me. That'd be amazing. Thank you. So if you open the door, Lydia, and have a look behind it, there should be a message. And if you could bring that to me, that would be brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lydia. So the, f the second message that we learned from Rhoda this morning is don't be afraid. And it's another little bit of verse 14. It says she was so overjoyed, she ran back. She was so overjoyed, she ran back. So let's see if that's on our slide. It is. I think Rhoda was excited when she recognized that God was at work. She heard Peter's voice, didn't she? She recognized it. Um, you might have expected her to be frightened at that point, you know? She's, she knew that he was in prison. Um, she's behind this closed door. She's a young servant girl. It's dark. Someone raps on the door really loud at night. It makes you jump, doesn't it, when that happens? You don't expect someone to knock on the door late at night after dark. You might think, oh, there's trouble. Something's gone wrong. Something's happening that shouldn't be happening. But she isn't frightened. She opens, um, sorry, she's overjoyed, it says, so overjoyed that she runs back. Um, you might be, have expected that she'd be confused as to how Peter got there. But the believers had been praying for him. So perhaps Rhoda realized more than anyone that God had worked a miracle and answered the prayers and that Peter had been set free from prison. I wonder, what have you prayed for recently? What have we prayed for recently? What have you called out to God for in prayer recently? How do you think you would react if your prayers were answered? If suddenly what you were praying for happened in that dramatic way like it did with Peter? I remember when we had been praying for a fairly long time for the manse at Marley. When it finally happened, I had a bit of a mixture of emotions. I remember feeling, oh goodness, this is real now. <laughs> we have to actually have to go and live there. <laughs> One of the most uttered phrases in the Bible is, don't be afraid or fear not. 
And there's various speculation amongst scholars about exactly how many times. I try to find out exactly how many times it's uttered. Some people say it's 365 and one for every day of the year. I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't think it is. Um, but it's, it's well over 100, apparently, um, is, is one of the figures that I found that, that seemed to be more reliable. And I think De Rhoda demonstrated that. She demonstrated that she understood what it meant not to fear in that moment that God answers a prayer, no matter how dramatic it is. You know, after dark, you're young, there's a rap on the door, it's a voice that you recognize, but she wasn't afraid, she was overjoyed, she ran off to tell the others excitedly that Peter was at the door. And even though she accidentally, in her excitement, left him on the wrong side of the door, she still was excited um, and, you know, overjoyed to tell them what God had done. I want to encourage us this morning not to be afraid. That's what Jesus says to us. Don't be afraid. Open up the door of your heart. Open up the doors of our hearts to the idea that God is at work and then get ready to share it. Maybe take some time later today or sometime this week to ask the Holy Spirit to show you where God wants you to open a door where there's a possibility, a place where he's at work and he wants you to join in or to share that in some way. Maybe as you pray and you read the Bible this week, be expectant for God to show you something or someone that he'll speak to you about, that he wants you to open the door to. But just don't get so excited that you run and tell someone about it before you actually open that door and step into what it is that God wants you to do. In a few moments... Okay. Number three door. <laughs> We've got one more door to go. So a quick recap of the other doors um, in case you've forgotten with everything else that's happened before. First of all, number one door was, um, what was number one door? I've forgotten. Notice when God is at work um, and then don't necessarily forget and go back and without opening the door. Number two door was don't be afraid. And now we've come to number three door. So I need a third volunteer to come and open another door or perhaps someone who's already done it. It's all right, Lydia's going to come. Brilliant, thank you. So if you could open number three door for us, Lydia, and we'll find out what's behind it. Brilliant, thank you. Thank you very much. Number three door says, tell someone. And it's a bit of, num of verse 14 again. It says, and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. And obviously that's Rhoda speaking. She exclaimed that Peter was at the door. She was so excited, wasn't she? That she went straight to tell the others that, that were gathered together that Peter was there without even letting him in. She'd recognized that God had worked a miracle and she was eager to share the news. She really wanted to go and tell them. 
Um, and she had joy as well that went with that. She didn't hesitate or hold back. She didn't keep the news to herself. She didn't selfishly hold on to it and simply hang out with the Peter in the courtyard, you know, just having a little chat there together. I'm so pleased to see you, Peter. Let's have a catch up before I go and tell the others that you're here. But no, she joyfully ran, it said, to tell the others. I wonder when you recognize the spirit of God at work in your life or in someone else's, is there a temptation to hold on to that a little bit, to think, oh, I quite like this. I'm going to keep this to myself. Or maybe there's a temptation to assume it's just a coincidence. The one-time Archbishop of York, William Temple, is reported to have said, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. When I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. When we pray, we can expect God to do something. We can expect something to change. And it might not always be what we were hoping for. It might not always be what we wanted. But we need to be ready to recognize and to share the joy when he does answer our prayers. So back to Rhoda. What was her experience? Well, she'd had this experience of Peter being at the door. She was full of joy. She runs back to tell the others. And what's their reaction to her? You're out of your mind. Charming. (laughs) You're bonkers, they told her. But even when they didn't listen to her, even when they put her down and had a bit of a go at her, she wasn't intimidated by them. Even though she's a servant girl, she's the lowest um, person in that household. She's the least important in that household. They have authority over her. But she still kept on insisting, verse 15 says that it was so he is there I've heard him you can just imagine her her saying that can you think of a time maybe where you've heard a child telling a story and they want to tell you that something is true and you think well it's not really believable that was what Rhoda must have been like she kept insisting that it was really Peter she's recognized that God is at work and she has to gently insist that she knows the truth and allow people to figure it out for themselves in the end. And they do in their own way in the end. She didn't argue the point about whether or not it was his angel. Did you notice that? We didn't, it's not recorded that she said, well, actually, no, it's not his angel, it's really him, or don't, don't be stupid, you're mad, not me. There wasn't any of that back and forth, not that's recorded anyway. But she kept insisting that Peter was genuinely there. And there might be times in your life, a little bit like we had with Hulder last week, do you remember the prophetess, that you'll notice things that other people don't notice. You'll recognize places and situations where God is at work that other people don't seem to notice or don't seem to understand. And that doesn't mean that we get to shout about it and go on about it and say how right we are and how wrong they are. It just means that we shouldn't give up. When God tells us something, when God shows us something, don't give up just because other people aren't quite in the same place as us. Eventually, people get there themselves in the end. And that's really down to God, isn't it? And that's why it's so important for us to spend time in prayer, not just together, but on our own, listening to God's voice as much as, probably more than, we listen to our own voices, recognizing when he's at work. We can recognize his voice. We can recognize what he's doing the more time that we spend with him. 
We know that's true from family members that we spend time with, don't we? So we know the end of the story here. Eventually, the others hear the knocking um, and that for themselves, and they go to the door and they let Peter in. And then they're able to share in that rejoicing that Rhoda has already begun, that a miracle has happened. An amazing event has taken place. Peter's been set free from prison. Well, so what, you might think. So what, Rhoda? So what? Well, I think Rhoda's got a lot to tell us, a lot to say to us, a lot to teach us. We're to notice when God is at work. What if Rhoda hadn't noticed? What if she hadn't recognized Peter's voice? What if she hadn't been so part of that community that it was familiar to her, uh, wasn't familiar to her and that she didn't run back to tell them? The early church might have looked very different. I'm not saying that God's purposes couldn't have been worked out, just that sometimes we need to make sure that we're noticing when God's at work, when he's answering prayers. How we react to that really matters. It matters to our own community, church family, together, but it also matters to other people that we come across. We need to notice when he's at work. Secondly, she wasn't afraid, if you remember, she needed to tell someone, really, she needed to open the door, but, you know, she got the first bit right, bless her. What if she'd recognized that it was Peter at the door, but then she'd bottled it? Imagine that. So he's at the door, and she didn't allow the joy of seeing or hearing God at work to overtake her heart, but she actually just thought, oh, this is too scary, I'm just going to sit here and hope that he goes away. I wonder, where are you allowing fear in your life to drive your decision-making? Where are you allowing fear to dictate what you do and say, what you recognize of when God is at work? Where do you need to ask God to send his perfect love to drive out fear so that you can live in his purposes every day? And then finally, we just have to open the door. Open up, Rhoda. Tell someone. What if she'd just stayed at the door enjoying that moment with Peter, like I said earlier. What if they'd just hung out and had a little chat? You know, Peter was there, still a bit confused, a bit like he'd had a knock on the head or something, you know, concussion. What if she never went back to tell the disciples? Her life and that of the other disciples might have been very different. Peter's experience that night would have been very different if he hadn't been let in. The way that the story is recorded in Acts would have been very different. We might not have had that story passed down to us in quite the same way. Rhoda would not have been an unsung hero that we can learn from. So that's our challenge this week, is that we open the door and that we tell someone. Jesus talked about opening a door. This is the ultimate door in Revelation when he said to all of us, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And that's the door that I invite us all to open this morning, the door to Jesus, to allow him into our hearts again, to take control this week so that 